and welcome to episode 22 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe, and I'm alone, but don't worry, not for long, because this is a special episode, and Albert will be joining me shortly. We had a chance a few weeks ago to catch up with Eben Upton of the Pi Foundation, and we had a chance to ask him about what's been happening since the Pi 3 came out. And also about this new stock of the Pi Zero, this slightly new version of it. So I suppose that's enough of me talking. Let's get straight on with it. I'm delighted to say that we're joined once again by Eben Upton. So welcome back to the show, Eben. Hey, guys. So how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. We've had a busy couple of months. Yeah, yeah, they, with the uh, the Pi 3 launch and the Pi Party. Uh, how did the launch go? Uh, the launch was the launch went very well actually. We had a very good uh, we had a very good march. So we did. I think we did something like three. If you if you take the the units we saw that were pre sold before the launch, and you take the march volume, it's about um, three quarters of a million units uh, in in a, in a month, which is which is good, and people seem to like them. Um, I guess the big surprise was we've kind of sold this on the basis it's fifty to sixty percent faster than 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 pi 2 but i think people are finding that it's in practical there there are a lot of practical little practical improvements in the cpu that weren't captured in the micro benchmarks so people are finding it to be to be a bigger increment over pi 2 than we'd actually sold it on so yeah i think people people seem pretty happy so it's it's the old under deliver and over uh, or under promise and over deliver. Yeah, I'd love to say that was a that was a deliberate strategy. It was uh, it was uh, uh, misunderstanding the, what the micro benchmarks are telling us. I think is is is, is reality. And uh, so, how did the the birthday bash go then? I was it was fantastic. I mean, it was uh, it was another obviously it's our second birthday bash and the first one to uh, you know or you know our first birthday bash or our fourth birth, fourth birthday bash. Um, and uh, yeah, it was was fantastic. I mean, more people there than last year. Uh, a bigger range of people there, more kids than there were last year, which is of course really good news for us. Um, as, yeah, saw a lot of old friends, met a lot of new people, uh, ate a lot of cake, which was drank a lot of beer, which was uh, which was nice. It was good to have that. Obviously, at the end of that kind of pretty uh, uh, pretty exciting week, it was nice that we'd be able to get the launch in at the start of the week and then round well round then rounded out with um, with the birthday bash and then Liz and I uh, uh, we ran off to Japan the day after for uh, for a couple of weeks so we, we we got to run away and hide. Very excellent. And was there anything specific at the party that you uh, you saw that you liked? There was a reactions testing game which caused more competition, more competitiveness among the Raspberry Pi members of Raspberry Pi staff than anything I've ever seen. It's a, it was a, uh, a reaction testing game in the shape of the Raspberry Pi logo, uh, and that was uh, that was fun. So we just about um, put all the personal relationships at Raspberry Pi back together after uh, after the the kind of in the aftermath of that. And it only took a month and a half. <laughs> That was uh, Carl Monk's Wacka Wacka Pie. It was indeed. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. He comes along to the Eggum Jam regularly. I'm hoping mm. he'll make the next one. <laughs> and and the the with the the Raspberry Pi three when it came out first, uh, the Bluetooth was still being refined and made better. Has work yeah. been happening in that area? Yeah, Simon's been doing. Simon and Phil have both been doing a lot of work. So Phil at the um, at the kind of firmware level, at the kernel and firmware level, and Simon at the user in- interface level. So I think um, uh, there's already some good stuff in Apt. Um, I think there'll be a release probably in May that aggregates together um, all of the work that Simon's been doing, in particular at the, the user interface level. So what we've got is now just like you know we. The Wi-Fi configuration on a Raspberry Pi is it's like the easiest Wi-Fi to con- it's the easiest Linux platform in the world to configure Wi-Fi for, um, and he's kind of done the same thing for Bluetooth now. 
Um, so it has a very, very smooth, very Apple-like. I mean, it's one of those things. The um, having the, the the fixed Bluetooth and Wi-Fi hardware on the on the platform uh, means that we can kind of go for that level of polish, which is really hard to achieve if you've got an operating system that's got to support you know a hundred different. A uh, hundred, a hundred different Wi-Fi adapters or a hundred different Bluetooth adapters, um, and yeah, so it's, it's looking really polished. I like it. Uh, what kind of Bluetooth functionality are you aiming for? Obviously, keyboards and mice would be in there, but it, you know, yeah, everything. I mean, audio is the obvious. I mean, the the obvious, yeah, the obvious things are keyboards, mice, audio, and then file transfer. Um, and uh, audio in particular, I mean, audio is uh, is it somewhat has turned out to be somewhat fiddly to get working at the at the Linux middleware level. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, um, you, uh, we don't use pulse audio. The, the, um, by default, historically, we, we haven't used pulse audio cause we, we doesn't seem to work very well. Um, and, um, unfortunately the bluesy, um, Bluetooth audio support requires pulse audio. Um, so, uh, what we end up with is a system where as you, if you pair with a, if you pair with and then connect to a, uh, Bluetooth audio device, then um, uh, it will uh, that will appear as a, an additional audio device that you can select in the audio device drop down uh, in the top right. Uh, if you select it, it will then spawn pulse audio uh, and then use that to play audio, and then uh, it will work. And then when you when you when you deselect it, when you when you disconnect or select some other audio interface, it kills pulse audio and then moves back to using Alsa for its audio rendering. Is it, and that's what's coming in May, hopefully. I hope that I hope that will come in May. I mean, it's 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 pretty much uh, we're in the middle of April uh, when we're talking now, and uh, um, it's uh, it's looking pretty good. I mean, Simon's been work- Simon's been working flat out on that for for about a month and a bit, so it's 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 looking really nice. Well, Bluetooth audio on Linux historically has been tricky to say the least. So it's good to see that you've got you guys really working hard on this and hopefully it will kind of feed into the rest of the Linux ecosystem. Well, I hope, I mean, I hope so. I mean, there's, there's a, so prior to Bluesy 5, there's, um, there was a, a native um, ALSA um, support and that's, that's not present in, in the current top of tree Bluesy. And, and I guess if we, I guess what would be ideal for us would be to resuscitate that support. Um, and, and go back to using using raw Alsa. So, um, yeah, may, that might be something that we can take a look at later in the year. I haven't seen it myself, but it, I've seen posts people saying that the Bluetooth, because it's attached to the UART, affects the traditional or the old configuration for serial. Yeah. Any, any tips for people trying to get that stuff going or...? Um, well, I mean, we have the other UART, right? We have the mini UART, and I think for a lot of for a lot of uses, that's fi- that's fine. U- ultimately, if you need a full fat UART, if you need the PL11 UART, then then you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up the, the built-in Bluetooth. Um, it, it's turned out that most people there are, there's obviously a little bit of a compatibility break, and there are people who've assumed that they can um, uh, that the, the TTYMA zero will be will be available to them. Um, uh, but you know, it's a change. Okay, so uh, thumbs up for Bluetooth, but at the expense of the existing UART. Well, yeah, I mean, at the expense of not having to change anything. I mean, by and large, we try to not change anything between yeah. generations of Raspberry Pi. But every now and then, you know, there's a facility you need, and you 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 have to, uh, you know, 
people can still use a UART, it's just the other UART. Um, and, and so it's just, it's slightly infringed on that zero, zero changes thing. But it's kind of, you know, um, it's a little, if, if that's the worst thing that people have to change between <laughs> Pi 2 and Pi 3, then, uh, and they have to make the change in order to, uh, to get Bluetooth, then, uh, you know, hey. Yeah. So one of the things that's really, really exciting to me is the OpenGL stuff and, and those yeah. drivers there. I mean, how's that going? Uh, really well. Uh, Eric's doing some fantastic work. So obviously we're very lucky to have Eric Anholt um, working on um, the, uh, the, the, the Mesa graphic stack. Um, Video Core remains the only two years, two years, two years after um, the documentation and driver release. Video Core remains the only, and I'm staggered by this. Video Core remains the only um, manufacturer supported um, open uh, graphics um, core in the mobile world. Uh, sort of in the in the kind of in the ARM domain. Um, uh, Mali is still closed source. Uh, Imagination Tech is still closed source, um, and um, I, I, I guess Vivanti is closed source, but it's kind of hard to find many chips that have that core in them. Um, so, uh, and uh, Adreno is kind of a slightly halfway house, right? It's, it's closed, but yeah, Qualcomm have been known to contribute quite a lot of information, I think, to Rob's uh, to Rob Clark's work on that. Um, but yeah, so um, Eric's, Eric's been with us at Broadcom for uh, a year and a half, uh, getting on for two years. Uh, and he's done an amazing job. So I don't know if you, I mean, I guess you've had a play with it. Um, it's, it's pretty good and it's getting better all the time. Uh, and I guess we need to, hopefully our May release will drop some more, so some, some updated, um, some updated stuff in there. And of course it's all about, um, performance and conformance fixes, um, and some, uh, hardware support. So one of the, one of the issues with the, 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 the Mesa world is we have this very tightly integrated kind of the, in the, um, the historical Broadcom uh, multimedia world, we have this kind of very tightly integrated block of multimedia services, um, which share uh, comms with the arm, and they share uh, a pool of memory that they that they use for uh, a heap that they use that's carved out at this kind of multimedia carve out at one end of memory. Uh, one of the issues with using the the Mesa stack is that it kind of breaks that it kind of it kind of chops into one one side of that world, uh, and various random things then stop working. Um, so one thing that Eric's been doing a lot of at the moment is things like getting the official display working um, in in Mesa world. So it's not just an HDMI world; it's a it's a, a kind of a, a very equivalent thing. And of course, we can't really cut across uh, until it's substantially complete. You know, until that work is substantially complete. So is that kind of is that stuff more than the uh, getting triangles through the pipeline? Uh, it's 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 more the kind of uh, bringing it up to a level of parity. And this is kind of you know one guy with some support from people in Cambridge really kind of bringing it up to parity with a platform which is now very mature and has had a lot of um, the the the, the Broadcom closed source platform has had an enormous amount of work done on it. Obviously, at Broadcom and then an enormous amount of work done on done on it at Raspberry Pi. So it's a it's a substantial challenge, but the you know, the payoff is enormous, and, and and Eric is making very very good progress. Brilliant. I was playing with it using uh, MindTest, mm. which is in the repository, so that's fantastic, mm. yeah. and uh, turned on all the quality, mm. ran it full screen, mm -hmm. um, actually ran better than my kid's Windows 10 little laptop. Um, nice. But it, it gave me the old big old re rainbow screen when the uh, GPU hit about 80 degrees. <laughs> so I'd give it a quick blow and it would drop down again, and I'd yes. go off again for another while. Yeah, so I think um, yeah, there's obviously it is heavier on the uh, it is heavier on the arm uh, mm. than than the uh, um, than, than the Broadcom 
than the Broadcom stack. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how where we can get to in terms of power optimization. Uh, power optimization, obviously, you know, power is always the last thing, um, and because yeah, power is a is a uh, non-functional uh, is kind of a, a, a non-functional um, requirement. Yeah. yeah, people people always prioritize functional requirements over uh, over non-functional requirements. So we've talked about the Raspberry Pi 3. Let's talk about the other end of the spectrum, the Raspberry Pi Zero. Mm. And you have tweeted about uh, kind of ramping up the uh, production of that again mm. with a, a goal of 50,000 units a month. I think I, I think I may have said more than that. I think I may have said 15,000 units a week. I think we're committing to slightly more than 50,000, uh, slightly more than 50,000 a month. And that's presumably you're on top of the Raspberry Pi 3s now, so you can kind of go back to the zeros. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we have one factory, <laughs> um, and well, one and a half factories, but um, obviously it, it's very hard. Uh, introducing a new product like Pi 3, which we know is going to be very popular, um, you, you just have to run the machines till they melt, right? You know, you turf everything off the lines and just run the machines until they melt. Um, and and that's, so there's a kind of a surge both in the few weeks before product launch and then in the uh, in the few weeks after product launch to kind of try to keep your head above water. Our heads are now above water with Pi 3, so Pi 3 is, uh, we're six weeks in, and Pi 3 is in stock uh, with both uh, with both partners. Um, and not because it's not selling, it's uh, it's in stock because they've built in all those numbers. Um, so that gives a, a little bit of breathing room. Zero is actually doesn't doesn't consume an enormous amount of line, line time, right, because it's built in panels of 15, um, and it, it's single-sided. It's built in panels of 15. doesn't have any through-hole components. Um, so it doesn't consume very much line time, but it is, it's a little bit disruptive to uh, switch backwards and forwards between 3 and 0. Um, the big thing that's changed in terms of factory configuration is that uh, 0 is now being built with automated testing, uh, automated panel-level testing, um, which means which takes a lot of the labor out. It's actually more expensive to um, the, the test cost for a... Um, for a zero was higher than the test cost for a uh, for a Pi three because the Pi three testing is done by a robot. Um, what we have now with Pi three is they're tested at the uh, at the panel at the panel level um, by a by a big panel level automated test chip. And you mentioned in in the the post that there was going to be a new feature. So I'm presuming since it's not uh, going to be double sided or through hole, it's not going to be GPIO pins soldered on. So what what's happening? Uh, yeah, so we, we looked at what people had asked for in the original, with the original zero and what we could accomplish without adding significant cost. Uh, and the big thing was camera support. Um, this is, I think let's describe this as the, uh, the, the Raspberry, the Raspberry Pi of Dave Aikman's dreams, right? And that, uh, you, you can stick it under a balloon and it weighs absolutely nothing. It can drive the camera. Um, and Anthony, um, uh, um, has got a, has got a very nice little, uh, tracker board, a, a, a mini hat size tracker board that they, they're going to use um so yeah so, so it turned out we could add a, a connector obviously there's not room on the board for the um the full fat connector for the the big um connector that we use on um the main raspberry pi um but uh fortunately and it'd be lovely to claim this was by design rather than by luck there's enough room on the right hand edge of the board so the opposite end of the board from the sd card socket um there's enough room for the mini uh the flat mini fpc that we use on the uh compute module dev kit um so uh mike um pulled the board around a bit and managed to fit that on there um and we have a uh 
uh, now a custom Flexi instead of the compute module I.O. board uses a little PCB that adapts between the the uh, high density, the small high density connector and the old style connector. Uh, that's kind of clunky. That was great for the compute module I.O. board because we were only building thousands of those, but zero, you don't want people, it kind of spoils the effect if you have to have <laughs> this big chunk of PCB. Um, so there will be a, an accessory uh, which you'll be able to buy to go with the Pi Zero, which is a, a little flexi, a little flexi cable um, that performs that adaptation. So it's it's smaller, it's smaller one end, and then halfway along it winds out, and then you can plug that into the uh, plug that into the camera. Fantastic. So does that mean you're expecting the camera volume to go up as well when this comes out? I hope so. Um, it's 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 nice. We like to sell cameras. Um, <laughs> I think we'll get on in a moment to uh, to to uh, uh, to other camera news. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that people will uh, either plug their existing cameras into the zero, or even better, go out and buy a new camera. And what sort of cost are we looking at for this adapter then? Ah, uh, it would be a few dollars. Okay, so fairly fairly low cost. Fairly fairly low cost. Yeah. Although any costs, uh, you know, when you've got such a low cost device in the first place, it kind of uh, makes it seem quite a lot, even though it's not very much. It, it does. Uh, so I encourage you to compare the cost to the camera, which is $25, rather than to the zero, which is $5. Yeah. It looks smaller next to the $25. <laughs> fair yeah. There's definitely a fair few people using the camera with things like bird boxes and stuff where this mm. would just, this would be perfect for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think that the, the, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole world of um, uh, of cool new stuff you can do with with the smallness and low power of the Pi Zero and then the, and then the camera dangling off it. Is it going to be called anything different than the? No, the the, new this, Pi so Zero? this is this is just a this is just a Pi Zero. So this is a one of the nice things about Pi Zero is we 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 kind of we don't make any guarantees about the Pi Zero, right? So so where the the um, the Pi is the you know the Raspberry Pi. We we actually now try very hard not to screw around with the form factor. Uh, yeah, we 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 screwed around once with the form factor to get ourselves from B to B plus, and then having got there, you know, we 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 designed the B plus. James designed the B plus at, at a point where we already knew what twenty eight thirty six was going to look like. We had twenty eight thirty sixes in our hands, and so we were able to design a form factor we weren't going to have to change when we went to Pi two and then to Pi three. Um, the zero is a kind of all bets are off platform, so we will we will we will gladly screw around with the form factor of Pi zero, um, and and you know, uh, hey, it's five bucks. Cases be damned, then. Uh, okay, well, cases be damned a little bit. I mean, there are people who are making cases for them, and uh, um, uh, everybody who I know who makes Pi Zero cases has has received a pre uh, a, a pre launch uh, version of the new one. Um, at least one person I know who is cutting metal. Um, who's who's actually doing injection modeling? Um, I managed to get to early enough to avoid them having to uh, to, to respin the mold. Um, but it, but in in general, uh, the, the yeah we, we we will we can and will screw around with the Pi Zero form factor if it allows us to add cool new features like this one. And presumably, it's not going to add any cost. Uh, it's not going to add any price. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, maybe that's what I should have said. Yeah, price yeah, to the consumer. Yes, yeah. it, it adds some cost, but uh, not very much cost actually. But uh, it does. It doesn't <laughs> add any price. I mean, the, the the price is still intact. The price is important, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And and, and then just on the um, the manufacturing of it, um, it's still being manufactured for and manufacturing paid for by the Raspberry Pi trading. Or that's is any of the partners considering stepping in on it, or is it just still at the cost too low for them? Um, we're continuing to 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 uh, to manufacture it ourselves for for now. Yeah. So the goal is to get it to a point where it's profitable for other people to be involved. 
the goal is to get it to a point where we where where they could get involved. Um, it's always you know a five dollar computer is always going to be a very aggressive um, thing to make. Yeah, um, and 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 um, I, I I'm kind of happy with how things are going. I'm happy with the, with the model as it is at the moment. So uh, um, we'll 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 keep going as we are for a little bit. Was there any thoughts of trying to get the analog audio on there? Um, well, you can so so the analog audio. I think we've published. Um, the schematics that you need to build the analog audio circuitry onto the um, onto the GPIO connector. So um, it, it's a fairly simple little mod to make a make your own board. You can make a little bit of error board that mm. um, that, that converts the PWM on the header in, into analog audio. I wouldn't necessarily want to pile. Um, I mean, I guess we could put pads down for it, maybe, but I wouldn't necessarily want to pile um, cost, and it would be cost. Yeah. Um, into the design just in order to give people analog audio um, out, I think, probably. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you said some other camera news then. What, what was that about? Oh, yeah, camera news. Uh, so um, lots of people know that the OV5647 module, the 5 megapixel Omnivision module that we were using, uh, went EOL. Um, and the, I mean, the EOL notice was nearly two years ago now. And at the time, so the EOL notice was in kind of June 2014, uh, and there was a last time buy in January of 2015. Um, we, well, the partners bought a lot of modules, of, of regular and IR modules. Um, so that lasted for quite a while. Um, people have started to notice recently that there are there's a, a little bit of a shortage, particularly of IR modules out in the wild, which is usually a sign that something's up. Um, and what's up is an eight megapixel um, replacement pair of modules, so a regular and IR eight megapixel um, product based on the Sony IMX two one nine sensor, uh, which is an eight it's an eight megapixel sensor. Um, it's a it's a better sensor, um, and it's going to be twenty five bucks, and it will have launched on the um, on the twenty fifth of um, April with a bunch of stock. Fantastic. So you say it's a, a better sensor. So other than the the obvious, there's more pixels. Um, how else is it better? Um, so I, I think the optics are better. Um, we, 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 like, we certainly like the optical design because remember that the quality is made of two things, right? It's made of the, the silicon and then the, the glass or plastic that you put in front of it. Um, the, the optical quality looks better. Um, the signal to noise ratio on the pixels, pixels is, I think, a little bit better. It's a more modern. Um, all of the clever right is in how you design that little piece of silicon that senses a pixel. Um, the signal to noise ratio on that is, I think, a little better than it was on the previous product. Um, certainly, the low light performance looks fantastic. Um, and in addition to it being a better sensor, we also have, I think, a rather a, a rather better tune. So um, we've we've had some volunteer assistance um, in. Uh, putting together a the tune a tune is the um configuration of the there's a image sensor pipeline isp inside um uh, inside the 2830x product inside video call um and there's a and that's designed to take the output from the cmos sensor and then render it into which is in uh, so an rgb a bayer rgb um format and render it into as high quality yuv um image as possible uh, ready for JPEG encoding or ready to be uh, fed to the video codec. Um, now, uh, it's something of an art, 
configuring and something of a lost art as well um configuring the uh, the image sensor pipeline it's an enormously flexible piece of kit to get the maximum amount of performance out of the sensor um a lot of effort much more effort has gone into this tune so the tune is the name we give to the to the the package of settings for the isp a lot of effort uh, between sony and the foundation and uh, uh one of our volunteers um has gone into um producing that tune so better silicon better optics better isp configuration i remember when the original camera came out there was a a lengthy blog post about i I presume it was which called the tune Mm -hmm. so the work that was needed to get the raw data into a picture that worked in most situations for most people based on most light conditions and most subjects being photographed so it'd be it'd be great if something similar was done for this new one as well just to see what's involved in the detail that's needed to make it work no so it's a good thought we should uh, we should see whether we can uh, whether we can put something together on that so are there any updates on pixie and usb boot for the pi 3 then oh that's a good that's a good one um so usb boot is very nearly there um but is it, uh, gordon has been working on this uh, among the many other things gordon does um he is very close I've seen a second stage boot work correctly. Um, I haven't seen Linux up yet, so I've seen um, I've seen bootcode.bin load uh, start.elf. So the you know the the load sequence the, the the boot sequence is bootrom loads bootcode.bin into the L2 cache. Uh, bootcode.bin then t- enables configures the SDRM controller. Uh, and load start.elf into SDRAM, uh, and then um, start.elf loads the Linux kernel into memory, and then uh, it configures the multimedia, loads the Linux kernel into memory, and then boots. So the, the loading of start.elf works. Uh, now, start.elf is not currently loading the Linux kernel, um, but it's, it's basically the same piece of work. So this is for USB boot, uh, and then basically the same process then gets repeated for PXE boot. Um, so I, I think I would say, if I had to guess, end of April for some proof of concept USB boot, um, end of May for um, uh, Pixie boot. Uh, and Pixie boot, I think is probably the, it, it, for me, Pixie boot's the more interesting one. People will find them both useful, but I think the ability to boot the thing over the network, particularly with a PoE hat on top, is, I think, opens up a whole bunch of new things that you couldn't do before. Fantastic. And, uh, is there anything else that's happening that we were totally unaware of that you think the uh, the listeners would be interested in? Ah, uh, let me think. Uh, we're doing another Pi Canopy in the US, which is kind of fun. So that that's the end of April. Um, we are well over four thousand code clubs. Uh, so at the birthday we were just bubbling under four, and that's <laughs> in the UK, right? So there are international ones as well. But we just oh, we were we were. Three nine five something. We didn't quite make it. We didn't quite make it to to, to, to four thousand. Um, but we we are now well over four thousand, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, the international code club stuff is going very well. Um, and um, oh yeah, um, a lot of work happening on Chromium as well. I mean, Chromium is um, a great browser, particularly for Pi two and Pi three. Um, requires the kind of um, a video decode plumbing uh, that was done for for, for Epiphany. Uh, and so we're, I've seen that working. Um, there's a bunch of optimization going on at various different levels of the Chromium, uh, Chromium stack. So I'm hoping there'll be a, a foundation official Chromium uh, at some point for Pi 2 and Pi 3 people. 
Uh, that would be absolutely excellent because I know a lot of people do miss that. People are kind of used to using Chrome on Windows or other platforms and, and Chromium's basically as good as that. So it'd be really yeah. great to, to see that on Raspbian. Yeah, that's it. I think the, um, the question in my mind is whether we can ever get to smooth video playback on a Pi Zero in Chromium. That's the gold standard. Um, and, and you actually look at it and it shouldn't be impossible, but there's an enormous amount of stuff in Chromium, right? <laughs> Getting a pixel out from, from the back end of the video codec onto the, onto the display is a very involved process. And, and it, it'll be interesting to see whether we ever get um, totally smooth HTML5 video. Uh, and if we do get, if we can get smooth HTML5 video, whether we can get smooth YouTube video, because YouTube actually runs an enormous amount of JavaScript. Um, at the same time that you're trying to play video. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that pans out. So it's kind of, if you look at the specs and the capability and the requirements of each individual component, it all works, but yeah. putting all of those pieces together just makes it one big ball of mess that needs to be untangled and yeah. sorted I mean, through. If, if you look at the performance of, uh, you know, Kodi, XBMC Kodi on, uh, on Pi 1 or on Pi 0, um, mm-hmm. it's 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 great i mean it's a wonderful if you've not seen it um nate benson who is the um uh president of the uh the cody foundation uh did a wonderful kind of unboxing of the pi zero uh, uh running cody on it and you could see he was like he was kind of blown away by how well yeah he said you know if you as long as you're not trying to multitask as long as you're not trying to you know scan your video library while you're playing a video um you know as long as you're just using it in a fairly serial way then pi zero is great for that and so you can see and that's with 1080p video which is not what you're playing in, in, in generally in youtube um so you can see that there's a the, the raw performance is there but it's whether you can actually deliver that raw performance with all of the overhead of running a browser and javascript and x um yeah it, it works fine on pi 2 or pi 3 but We'll, we'll we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna at least give it the old college try. See see how far we can get. Oh, that sounds uh, excellent. So thank you very much for giving us your time this evening. It's been great to catch up, and um, hopefully we can get you back on with more updates in the near future. Awesome. Thanks very much, guys. So it was really great to catch up with Eben again. It's uh, been a little while since Albert and I went up to Pi Towers and uh, met up with him, and an awful lot's been going on including this new camera connector, which is going to make the Pi Zero much more useful for things like, well, we talked to Dave Ackerman a couple of episodes ago about high-altitude ballooning, and he was talking about how he wishes there was a camera connector. Well, you got your wish, Dave. So no doubt we'll be seeing Pi Zeros flying up to the stratosphere any time now. But with that, we're coming to the end of another Pi Podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepipodcast.com or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again in a week when normal service will be resumed with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews and discussion. See you later.